Hey guys, what's up? Week 194. Got my Beatles haircut in full go this week. I know how much you guys love the Beatles haircut. Um, so first and foremost, let you guys know the 11 through 25, the extended list of our top uh, movies of 2020 posted on Mood's channel for 22 Shots of Moods and Horror. Also, um, I believe this week another episode of the podcast Under the Stairs, the Forgotten Jelly box set will be posting, so keep an eye out for that. We, Me and Duncan tackled uh, The Killers 1 of 13, a, Span a Spanish giallo. So yeah, let's start this out with a movie I just watched. It's very fresh in my mind. I watched it this morning. Uh, actually, just got released on VOD. I think January. What's today is the 23rd. It was the 22nd. So first chance I got, which was this morning, I checked it out, and it is uh, Stephen Katansky's Psycho Goreman. Uh, you guys know Stephen Katansky from the Astron Six guys. He worked on movies like Father's Day, uh, The Void, Leprechaun Returns. So yeah, he's actually a pretty good director to be honest um i love astron six i love what they do and you can tell these guys i mean they grew up at the same time period as me so they have a lot of the same i guess inspirations are probably a similar childhood when it came to media and video store stuff so okay psycho Goreman. uh actually we'll kind of put this in perspective a little bit i was listening to podcast under the stairs with duncan malish and he had an interview with katansky on there and they basically start talking about what kind of inspired him and you can tell right off the bat that stuff like power rangers inspired him and the guyver films in particular guyver 2 and he kind of wanted to tackle that idea of something that seems aimed at kids but it's gory and violent which is definitely something i love because i grew up in the 90s so that's pretty much it felt like all 90s all, all full moon movies were like kids movies with nudity and gore so like everything was aimed at children it's, it's kind of very funny to me but um yeah th this one definitely fits in that power rangers vibe so it opens up with a uh, you know the space scroll where it's saying all this stuff and sets up everything there's a brother and sister that ended up finding this uh this uh amulet buried in the ground uh when they're playing their crazy game crazy ball or something like that um, and they find this amulet, um, they open it and they unleash this guy that they nickname Psycho Goreman PG. And well, as long as the young girl Mimi has this amulet, she controls Psycho Goreman. So there's, it, this is a comedy, um, and sci-fi horror deal. So basically, uh, Psycho Goreman is completely twisted. He is like a mixture of like Lord Zed and a, a Cenobite. So the stuff he says, he's this like dream monster, alien space entity, warlord, um, demon. And he just is always saying these awful things and just wants to fulfill his bloodlust, but he cannot because he's controlled by this gem. But it leads to all sorts of crazy shenanigans. And meanwhile, the kids are dealing with their, you know, uh, them kind of competing with themselves. The parents are having their issues, and there's an intergalactic um, hierarchy that is after Psycho Gorban because he could very well destroy the universe, especially if that gem gets back to him or falls into the wrong hands. Um, this movie is ungodly hilarious. There's great one-liners. There's a, a, a super amount of gore, over-the-top gore. I laugh so hard during this thing. There's so many great lines that I don't want to spoil for you. If uh, if I say any, you know what I mean? Like, I just want them to be surprised so when they pop up, you guys will enjoy them as much as I did. Uh, I cheered. I cried. I laughed. 
and it's it's a story we're all familiar with but it's it's playing on those tropes and all those kind of 90s things that we know like the power rangers and but it's just like a, a weird kind of warped sentimentality of it made for people that grew up with it but it's made for their age it's not made for their kids if that makes any sense like we all grew up with these things so we no longer you know put in the power rangers and watch it but this is something that we could put in and get that same feeling uh that we had as a kid and it, it somehow as goofy and gory and over the top and ridiculous it is it kind of it sets all these things up very well and it does pull on the heartstrings which kind of surprised me i did not think it was going to do that and stuff like manborg i think is in a very similar vein but i think manborg kind of does something at the very end where it's kind of like makes the whole situation a little uh, disingenuine, just one scene, but I still love the film. This doesn't do that, which makes it by far his finest film for me. Um, the Void is a film that I, I think is like the best movie ever, and then there's a couple hollow points to it that um, character motivations that are completely hollow this kind of leave me scratching my head, and if, if I ever could, you know, overcome those, it would be uh, a 10 out of 10 for me, but it, it still stands as an excellent movie. And the idea that he took something like Leprechaun Returns and made it like the best Leprechaun on sequel maybe besides three i haven't seen three in years is also outstanding and father's day is also a tremendous film but i was really impressed with this the acting at brooks is in here from a bunch of their films i just liked all the characters i laughed quite a bit the first 15 minutes took some adjusting because it was just such an oddity you know uh film but after that i was I, i've always i was always on a board the 110 percent but it gets better and better the special effects are really cool seeing all these different monsters in different places and these guys have always been really good at using cgi and um practical effects and mixture of them um and somehow getting the best of both worlds without ever crossing that line where I feel like there's not um, you know real hard work put into it if that makes sense because I know a lot of people will say CGI doesn't have like the hands-on stuff that I like even though it is hard work it's just different kinds of work but it feels very hands-on and genuine and it also you can tell I feel like their budget is lower than people would expect. But anyways, uh, fantastic start to 2021 for me. This is the second one that I think qualifies that I've watched. Absolutely love it. Um, right now, it, it's, it's damn near perfect for me. And I, if this doesn't make my top 10, we're, like uh, I know Duncan said the same thing, then we'll probably have the best year of four of all time if this doesn't make my top 10. But uh, I, like, I want to just spoil some of the lines for you guys, but I won't. I'm going to hold. I'm gonna have some restraint. So uh, yeah, just an excellent movie. Loved it. You can rent it on Amazon Prime for $5.99. The Blu-ray is coming in a couple months. I pre-ordered that bad boy. And if you don't want to wait for that, you can always uh, wait. I mean, if you if you can rent it now. You can wait for the Blu-ray in a couple months, or you can wait till it comes to Shudder um, in May or something along those lines, if I'm not mistaken. But I love this movie. Uh, Psycho Goreman, so great, so great. Music's awesome. Um, you know, just just great stuff. And it's just so absurd that I just have to love it. And I know uh, humor is very subjective, but um, I just think anybody that's in my age bracket and watched this would, would love it. So, Psycho Goreman. Okay, this next one here is from Severn Films, and this is Theater Bazaar, which I had seen years back, and I don't remember everything. I didn't remember everything about it. I remember, you know, it's an anthology, so I was hot on some of the shorts, cold on some, lukewarm. I kind of in the middle on a lot of others. So there are six shorts and a wraparound story. All the directors are kind of uh, fairly well known in the horror genre. Um, Let's just go break down that wraparound. It starts Udai Kier. It's by the director of the remake of Wizard of Gores and Attic Expeditions. Expeditions, sorry. 
I am not a huge fan of the remake of Wizard of Gore. I do not care for it very much, but, uh, you know, it's just a style and everything like that. Saying that, I actually kind of enjoyed the wraparound here. Like I said, it stars Udai Kier. If I did say that, I can't remember half the things I'm saying all the time, if you guys cannot tell. But uh, this one is a pretty cool story, and this, this whole idea of the movie was kind of to make an anthology, anything that would fit in the Grand Ganole, um, which is an old kind of, you know, gore, theater, insane, macabre thing that the French people I think invented that was on stage and and stuff like um, Bloodsucking Freaks was inspired by that kind of deal and, and lots of things and pr probably modern gore and gore as it is you know Horscore and Lewis all that stuff you know has some roots in the Grand Guignol Theater so um, this this wraparound actually fits with that um, basically a young person comes in and a young woman sits down and she witnesses Udai Kier seems sort of a puppet. Um, kind of deal and kind of shows these kind of stories through these kind of puppet deals and everything and they all kind of reflect what's happening in the shorts but the first short is by um director richard stanley from hardware and dust devil and last year's color out of space or the year before whichever one it qualifies for so a pretty capable director this one is called the mother of toads and there's some lovecraftian aspects in there katrina mccall is in it um this one i think has a decent concept i think that i love the idea that there's toads in it and is a special feature on here says Richard Stanley says we have plenty of horror movies about frogs that's the worst Richard Stanley impersonation ever it says we have plenty of horror movies about frogs but we don't have any about toads now we have them about toads which um He's a very interesting guy, so the research and the mythology is very deep in this one. I will say the real major knock on it, and I don't want to be negative here, Katrina McCall is, is solid in here, but the two younger actor and actress are just, you know... They had to spend the money on Katrina McCall, the locations in the film. I don't think they're very impressive. And to me, they feel more like supermodels and less like actors and actresses. And so they're a little iffy. But there is a really gnarly sex scene, I guess I'll put in that way. And I think this one's, uh, it's, it's okay. Um... I do like Stanley's other films so much better, but this one I just find kind of being okay. The next one, I believe, is from Buddy G. I'm not going to try to say Buddy G's last name. He directed things like Combat Shock, which is an absolute fantastic movie, which I adore. Um, so this one, it follows the story of kind of a broken lover. This guy is really obsessed, doesn't want his relationship to end. He seems really down and out of it. And uh, the way Buddy G explains this... Um, why the characters are speaking in English when it's clearly their second language. I think one is French and one is German is because when um, they would not, they don't know French or German. So they speak in English because they both know that it puts them on an equal playing ground, which made sense to me. But saying that every time we have a more of a Germanic performance, when someone is speaking um, a second language, it does come across a little hokey to me and cheesy. And although their performances are dedicated and, and very physical, they're, they're well done when they come to the physicality. It is a little kind of cheesy when they're talking and I know that they would probably talk like that but I still can't get over it, it always kind of makes me roll my eyes I would say the same thing about um, Housewife which came out a few years back from the director of Baskin um, but when a character has using English as their second language and they're more of a, a creepy character or uh, antagonist um, in a villain kind of way more so like Peeping Tom this week's Peeping Tom or you know any Peter Lorre performance I feel like it's much more believable and those characters just fit right, maybe it's the time period of the movie but this one is a, a very serious dark drama with kind of a twist i don't think this one works perfectly well for me um i i don't know maybe i the twist may be fairly predictable for me but it, it could be because i seen this 10 years ago and i remembered every detail that was going to happen i don't know um i do think that some of the effects are okay um in here but this one is i don't want to be ne too negative but it's probably my least favorite of the bunch 
Um, and then I'm gonna hopefully I don't get these two out of order here. And then I think we have Tom Savini's short, which is a very strange one with Tom Savini in it himself about you know cheating and dreams and Freud stuff. And and this one's kind of bizarre. And um, the ending's all right. There's some really gnarly gore effects where the guys from Toe Tag uh, partook in it. So yeah, that one's decent. And I enjoyed the special effects in it. And uh, it's just a little kind of a crazy thing. And Savini mentions kind of we just kind of were going with it and doing different things here and there. So. This one I think is all right. Um, the next one is by Douglas Buck, who did Family Portraits, a trilogy in America, which is a really kind of depressing, uh, crazy look at uh, uh, fam uh, family units and everything like that. Um, and this one's kind of a little bit uh, in that vein. This one I feel is less of a horror movie, but is again, it's not necessarily have to be a horror movie, just something that would play in the Grand Gunnel Theater. And this is uh, one that's kind of exploring death, uh, somebody's first look at death. Um, and it involves a young girl and the mother driving and they witness a horrible accident involving a motorcycle and a deer. And uh, it's kind of told back in a flashback bedtime story. Not really bedtime story, but you get the gist of it. Somebody explaining what happened. But um, I think it's really well done. And although it is a little strange, um, not to be in here, but to be set alongside the other ones, that it feels a little jarring to some, but it's really well made and well acted and uh, definitely very um, worth your time. So I think where we're we at here, um, I don't think I missed any. So then I think the next one would have to be, um, geez, it would have to be Kareem Hussein short, which is uh, Kareem Hussein did stuff like Subconscious Cruelty, uh, La Beautiful Beast, and what was The Ascension? These are all really excellent movies that probably don't get as much love as they deserve, probably because they don't have a very widely available stateside release, but great films. So um, Kareem Hussein, he's also a cinematographer, and I think he was a cinematographer on Douglas Bucks. So, okay, we jump into this one, and this one's really interesting. It's kind of a uh, this this woman who it, it, it's it's strange she preys on homeless people or drug addicts but her drug of choice is something that's absolutely ridiculous and insane reminds you of something like I Come in Peace but I imagine Liquid Sky would probably fit more if I actually saw that movie which I have not yet but I understand the plot of that but basically what she does is she finds people that are homeless and she she preys on them kills them and their moments of death she um takes out um, a needle, a syringe, and, and pulls out all the things in their eyeball because um, in this, or she believes that this is kind of you, everything that you have in your mind has passed through your eye. So your memories and your life and all that is in the eyeball. So she starts to inject it directly into her eye. And it's just cringy watching all the eye stuff. Uh, it's just really bothersome. But the way they did it and the, the special features you see is, is really great. Giant heads with the eyes moving and everything. Really effective. Worked really well. But uh, I really like this one. I think it's twisted. I think it's insane. I think it's got a great concept. And it reminds me a lot of Horror Express when they take uh, the stuff out from under the eye and you, you can see what happened in there and everything like that, which is complete scientific nonsense. But hey, you're watching a horror science fiction film. You're going to let it slide because that's kind of the premise of it. But uh, yeah. I thought this was interesting, and of course, she decides to go after somebody that she shouldn't, and uh, of course, everybody that's going to be playing God like this is, is going to, or thinking they're playing God and, and everything and doing these kind of things is going to suffer for it. So, yeah, really good one. And then the final on here is from David Gregory himself, uh, director of Plague Town, and the guy who runs Severn Films. And this is, uh, geez, um, 
what's it called? I, I can't remember what it's called. Sweets. Um, but this is probably my favorite. Um, this one is probably the best, to be honest. Uh, so yeah, this one is very funny and very disgusting. And in the special features, Gregory says, I wanted it to discuss some people and make other people laugh and do both to some. And I'm definitely one that does both. So basically what we have here is this 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 relationship that's on the end is that they're breaking up and we have this very desperate man who's living who's in his apartment trying to can talk his girlfriend into not leaving him there's food strewn about the place it's very disgusting um it's like rot in the rotting uh apartment along with the food mixed in and he's grabbing food while he's bagging or eating it and his voice is perfect his bagging his whole his whole demeanor is just so great he's like i love you it's it's very funny it's very effective but it's also very gross and we see flashbacks of the relationship and you kind of get this weird feeder kind of um fetish thing going on but um it ends kind of like a tales from the crypt episode without spoiling too much if you guys remember uh there's a couple of tales from the crypt episodes i guess you could think of but anyways it ends on this big fantastic fantastic uh elaborate party with all these strange weird characters that all seem to be um gluttons and everything i thought this one was really great um it looked good too very visual uh film uh but yeah uh, all in all i i enjoyed this one like i said it's an anthology so um the wraparound i i liked um the first story i think's okay uh, the stanley one and then we have the buddy g which i don't particularly care for then we have the savini which is okay and then we have kareem hussein's which i think is excellent a douglas bucks um which i think is good and then i think that sweets is also excellent so all seven shorts um so it's kind of a mouthful too it's a little long uh with seven of those shorts in there including the wraparound but there's a bunch of features on here the one that i think will catch most people's attention is the backstage making of the theater bazaar new feature length documentary it's quite uh, i think it's an hour and 43 minutes it has everybody involved talking and everything like that very interesting and uh they're all in there i thought that was great and then there's a bunch of other stuff french tv on set report with richard stanley making of vision stains by filmmaker pat tremblay making of the accident by filmmaker pat tremblay Shock Tell You Drops, Choice Cuts with Buddy G. That's actually hosted by uh, Ryan Turek. Also, they have a Choice Cuts with David Gregory and Jeremy uh, Kazan. And then we have Boswell Scores, um, an interview with uh, Mother of Toads and Vision Stain soundtrack composer Simon Boswell. You guys will know that name because he worked on Stanley's other stuff and a slew of other films. And then there's an extended cut of Mother of Toads. So yeah, it's a nice release of a, of a kind of a movie that I think deserved a little bit more love than it got. Unfortunately, they say the story on here of how the, you know the sequel never happened and how they got ripped off so yeah the documentary has you know um or two it's not just people talking heads and everything like that but yeah theater bizarre from severn films good stuff check it out Okay, this next one is from Film Detective, and this is Giant from the Unknown. And, uh, yeah, this is one that I've probably only seen in passing. This is from 1958. It's a very low-budget kind of horror film, a science fiction film. And uh, right in the opening credits, it says, With Special Makeup by Jack Pierce. And that's like kind of like the big thing. So I was like... Hey, this is 58. They're kind of living and dying by Jack Pierce. You know, special effects artists who worked on, you know, all the old classic Universal ones who did the mummy and all that kind of stuff. So this guy was like one of the first, if not the first big name in special effects. So his name being up there. I was like, okay, okay. So creating a new monster, we have Jack Pierce. So what happens here is um, basically this, this small town... Um, 
uh, full of superstition uh, is basically livestock is disappearing and all that kind of thing. And um, we have like this archaeologist or something. I, I always confuse what kind of scientists are passing through town, passing through town. This one guy's staying there. And then we have an older guy who's passing through town. They decide to team up. And while they're out and about, they accidentally uncover or break this rock where this giant was hiding in or something like that. And he uncovers himself. And, and pretty soon there's trouble. He starts to pick people off. But, you know, the local, you know, boonie sheriff, backwoods sheriff, doesn't trust this young kid. He thinks he's up to something. But eventually, um, I did like how their story arc turned out. A lot of these times it gets very eye-rolling. We're like, just come on. But eventually, I did enjoy what happened there. Because it's kind of a, a trope for cops to just be very thick-headed and never come around in movies. So um, it is refreshing a little bit. Although it's very much like The Blob, you know, from the 58, same year, actually. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, this one is shot in the wilderness and everything like that. I thought it looked pretty good. Uh, there's, uh, really, it's a decent science fiction movie. I didn't absolutely adore it. Um, it's very low budget. But really, the crown jewel on this is the special features. We have an interview with... Um, one of the actors who's still alive plays the young kid in here. But the commentary's fantastic. It's by a guy, I think his name is Tom Weaver. And uh, years back, even before he had any, you know, idea to do this stuff, he used to send audio recordings to these old school directors and everything and have them like, kind of record on cassette. And he has a lot of these people's recordings and he plays those through the audio commentary. He reflects all the times that he had conversations with them and talks about the love and how good these nice these guys were to him back in the day. And um, this is the kind of stuff that'll be lost forever if it's not documented now because it, it you know these guys that actually told a lot of these stories are dead now so anyways i just enjoyed seeing all that or listening to that i should say i thought it was very informative about the movie and about the director's career and how kind of he never really could recreate anything as good as this one and i did have fun with this one i thought it looked fantastic i was very surprised how well it was preserved it looked amazing um so yeah that is giant from the unknown i don't have that much to say about it but uh the stories that he uh, tells uh, about it are really fun and, and the guy who plays the giant is, is a pretty big guy. Um, but, I mean, it's absolutely kind of ridiculous. And, and, you know, that science fiction kind of way that there's this spy, uh, lizard they find that, oh, I found it uh, frozen in a rock for hundreds of years and it's fine. And then, you know, exactly what's going to happen when they find the giant from the unknown. He's going to be frozen. He's going oh, to be fine. Yeah, exactly. That kind of stuff. But 50 science fiction movie. Entertaining. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty decent. And the print looks great. So if you're familiar with this one, check it out. But... Tom Weaver does suggest that you should keep your old DVD because that one is in widescreen and there's more stuff you can see. This one is in, uh, oh, this one's in widescreen. That one's in full screen. So he kept both of them so he could see all the frames and everything because there is a difference to him. So Giant from the Unknown, check it out. Pretty pretty decent science fiction stuff. Okay, this one's going to be fairly brief. We have a few of the Masters of Horror uh, from Survival 5 to cover, and this is Toby Hooper's Dance of the Dead. And I don't really have that much to say about this because I don't like to sit on negative things. Now, don't get me I love Toby Hooper's films. You guys know that. I defended him a lot on the... the top 50 favorite directors, 22 shots. Big fan of Toby Hooper. I think most people are. Um, but, you know, some people kind of hit on him. And, and this is probably one of the reasons they do hit on him. I had not seen this. Um, this is the, um, this is a, a Richard Matheson story, too. So it it's probably it's a probably a great story, and the concept is okay. I, I like the concept. So basically, it's a futuristic society, or, or it's in the future, or, or near future, or modern, whatever. Post-apocalyptic kind of stuff happens, nuclear war, and there's a fallout. So there's a lot of people walking around that are damaged and hurt. Um, it follows the story of a, a mother and her daughter that run this kind of small diner, and a couple of punks who kind of steal blood, and they use the blood for some weird kind of dancing ceremony 
ceremony where they uh, Robert England runs this weird kind of underground, uh, I guess I would say S&M kind of sex fetish club. And he's absolutely over the top and ridiculous in it. But hey, that's what Robert England does best, right, guys? So uh, what happens is all sorts of uh, strange things. But um, the plot, like I said, it ends with a couple of reveals that are decent. And what really bothers me about this movie is it's such a product of 05. And I'm not too big of a fan of American cinema from 05, a lot of it. I think that the editing is too jarring. The, the noise is too loud. The dialogue is over flushed out by the music. It's just sloppily edited. It's kind of like uh, grabbing the camera and moving like this, but also having fast cuts in between that. So it's just jarring and I, it just makes me sick. I don't like the music. I don't like the acting's not great either. It's just all around. It's not a very good uh film and in terms of a preference for me it's just not something i like i don't like the editing i don't like the music i don't like the acting i don't like how it's shot i don't like how the camera's held or placed any of that stuff it's just very jarring and weird and very uh very much a product of 05 and not very well uh, and not a good not the good stuff either like the asian stuff which i'll be talking about and it's funny like because i do don't mind you know like we have fight scenes and we get up close and see the camera moving with it that's not the problem it's the problem when you have fast jarring cuts all the time within the moving camera and sometimes it works and also the me i don't know just all this mismatched stuff it's just as toby hooper doing the worst of 2005 and i'm sorry to say that because you know i don't i like a lot of his films but this is not one of them dance of the dead uh not not very good to me concept is cool and the reveals all right but uh yeah no i'm gonna pass on this one one of my least favorite movies of 05 so far Okay, and then we have a Chocolate for Masters of Horror, directed by Mick Garris, starring Henry Thomas from E.T. So, okay, this is a very strange one, a sense, sensory thing here. Um, and first, I must say this, the opening um, and the ending, if you if you take into consideration what's happening there in this kind of interview format, you're like, why would they do this for an hour in these circumstances? This literally makes no sense, and it literally lowers the movie for common sense purposes. But anyways, Henry Thomas is a recently divorced guy with a kid. He works in the taste, uh, making uh, making taste for food companies and everything like that. Uh, Matt Freyer is a co-worker of his. Matt Freyer plays the um, trash can man in the Stan miniseries, and he's in the Dawn of the Dead remake. He's in tons of stuff. Pretty good character actor, actually, and lots of stuff. Canadian guy. So basically, Henry Thomas uh, starts to taste things. Like, he tastes chocolate at first, and he's kind of confused by it and then he starts to have these weird visions he's losing his eyesight his hearing all these things and he starts to realize that he's starting to see someone else's visions and he's actually within somebody else's body and through the things he's seen he starts to kind of you know experience all sorts of things like having like feeling this what this person is during sex and everything so um Henry Thomas becomes obsessed with trying to figure out who this person is and they've done some bad things but that doesn't stop him from going there this one is okay. I didn't love it. I think the concept is decent. I think that they go a couple places that you wouldn't really expect, but I didn't overall love it. Henry Thomas, I like him. I think he's a decent actor, and Matt Freyer is solid as well. Very strange role for him, but I think that's what he's kind of good at. This one is okay. Uh, don't have many negatives or positives to say about it. Kind of just flat through for me, except the ending and opening is so dumb that um, the idea that... Uh, spoilers, okay? So just skip to the next review. Okay, this guy is being interviewed by the police the whole time, but at the very end of the short, we realize he's shot. So they're going to set him down and interview him for an hour, That he's, even though he's bleeding out and shot. And they would take him to the hospital first. And I know maybe it's not supposed to be an hour, but still, it really does feel like an hour because it is an hour. So, hey, and he's talking so slow to get out the story. It's just nonsense. But anyways, chocolate, not great. It's okay. Better than Dance of the Dead, though. 
Okay, the last of the 2005 Masters of Horror is Incident on and Off a Mountain Road by Don Coscarelli, who did the Phantasm films. So, okay, um, this one I saw years ago, and I was always kind of like, eh, on it. So, rewatching it, it started off in that kind of eh feeling. We have this young woman who's driving um, through kind of an isolated area, kind of on a mountainside, isolated, and she starts to kind of remember what she's running from or something like that, and it's actually Ethan Sluppy, who is her boyfriend. She's having these flashbacks, and at first it starts off as kind of a... I don't even want to say a decent relationship because the first second, first date she has with this guy, you're immediately, nowadays, it's like so many red flags. You'd be like, no, this guy is a nutball right off the bat. The first dinner date he says, it, it would just be a no-go nowadays. But in 2005, I guess it's a little different, maybe a little bit more forgiving for people. But uh, anyways, she, her car, the tires get taken out. And, um, or she comes across a, par a crash car. She crashes into it on accident. She's kind of stranded and she soon finds out there's this big weird looking guy with this moon face after her with a blade and chasing her down. And throughout this, her survival and everything, we have the flashback to uh, what happened with her and her boyfriend. And he's a survivalist, so she's starting to, she had learned from him, and she's going to use this to survive from Moonface. Um, the best part of the film is actually after she's captured and she's introduced to Angus Scrim, who is in the, in the cellar of this movie. And he is my favorite part of it. He is absolutely ridiculous. He is singing uh, Dixieland, um, which, is, which is great. Um, yeah, so I. I, I I ended up liking this one a lot more than I remembered, and it's a lot of the help to Angus Scrim. The twist you kind of expect. Ethan Sluppy's also really great in it, really big prick in it. So this one is, is fairly decent, good atmosphere in the cabin and everything like that, and a very great performance by Angus Scrim. I enjoyed it, good stuff. Uh, incident on and off a mountain road. Okay, the next one from Survive 05 is Meatball Machine. Yeah, what a great name, right? I have not seen this movie in a long time. Probably in 06, 07, the last time. Whenever the DVD was released when I watched it. So it's from the Danger After Dark label, which used to be a really cool label. Wish they were still around. Um, but anyways, so Meatball Machine. What a weird-ass movie, right? It opens up, which kind of has some similarities to Psycho Goreman. But um, first and foremost, let me say Meatball Machine is the most heavily inspired movie I've ever seen by Tetsuo the Iron Man, okay? And it's so funny is Tetsuo the Iron Man is better than Meatball Machine, the movies that it inspired. And I think it's better than the movies that inspired it, like Burst City. So Tetsuo, the more and more I think about it, the more Japanese cinema I watch, the more I even think about Tetsuo, it gets better and better. And it's become like the cream of the crop. So it's better than the movies that inspired it, and it's better than the movies it inspired, okay? But I still really like Meatball Machine saying that. So Meatball Machine opens up with these kind of robotic big gory meatball characters fighting and cutting each other up and we learn that there is some sort of parasite that uh, is like a giant bug that latches onto you it gets into you and it takes over your mind and it closes your eyes and turns you into this killing machine but the only thing that these meatball machines can survive on is by eating another meatball machine so it's kind of like highlander yes there can only be one meatball machine so every time they come in contact they fight so there's this guy going around who's killing the meatball machines and there's this young young man who's kind of a loner who works in this, I guess, a manufacturing shop. And he's always got his eyes on this young girl. One day they kind of meet up. And of course, the creature that he brought home that he found in the dumpster, which reminded me very much of Guyver, um, that he was kind of looking at and trying to experiment on, wakes up, 
because it's attracted to despair and de and depression after she tells her kind of story about her life and it attaches to her he tries to save her he ends up becoming a meatball machine himself but kind of a different one there's a big elaborate fight scene and then kind of the very ending we see a little bit of glimpse of what's going on i i enjoyed this one and again like tetsuo it becomes this kind of warped possibly love story this one's definitely a love story tetsuo is like is it but um this one yeah it, it's a love story it's super gory it's super insane we even got the drill thing that we have in tetsuo but man I love this thing. This thing is really entertaining, really great. If you like big monsters fighting and gore, then this is totally for you. This is exactly what it is. It is cheap. It is dirty. It looks like it's shot in like an industrial part of Japan where it's like, yeah, I'm going to fall down and get cut by something and catch tetanus. So yeah, I like them dirty and cheap. You guys know that. And this is definitely one of those. And it's Asian. And I, I just kind of enjoy Asian films um, that are crazy like this. So yeah, the I just really like this one. I recommend checking it out. It's called Meatball Machine from 05. Excellent stuff. Uh, gory. And there's a sequel that I should check out that I think was made a few years back. Maybe there's a trilogy because there's a short film that inspired this. I think it's on this disc. And then there's Meatball Machine. And then we have the uh, new one. So yeah, check out Meatball Machine. You won't be sorry if you like this kind of stuff. You'll know exactly. Watch the trailer. You'll be like, this is for me this isn't for me you know we had stuff down the line like tokyo gore police which i enjoy machine girl and a bunch of these other ones i'm not sure if i've seen them all i don't know if i watched machine girl but tokyo gore police most definitely i've seen and and stuff like that so yeah this one i love it okay this next one from 05 is the man behind the scissors and oh boy this is a strange one it is a thriller it's a crime but i would put it i wouldn't say jello but it's a horror horror enough so the score in this is the first thing that caught my attention. It's super jazzy, and then it has like these this repetitive beats to it as well. This is a weird film, um, predictable. But I think like all the reveals, you know, thirty to forty minutes before they happen. But I don't think the movie lives and dies on its reveals. I think it, it lives and dies on the exploration of why these people are like this. So the man behind the scissors. Right in the beginning, we have a, a man and young woman kind of walking. They approach this young schoolgirl and they kill her. Um, and we learn that the police are looking into these murders. There's been two of them so far, and the pair of scissors was stabbed in their throat. Everything else is perfect. There's been no sexual molestation of any sort. But then one day, while she's out scouting a new victim, they're both out scouting a new victim, her um, and the man behind the scissors, they're like a serial killer duo scouting out a new victim, they come across a possible victim that they were scouting out all day already dead. And they're like, we, di we didn't do this. But comes to find out that they know that there is some other man behind the scissors killer out there. We also have part police procedural where um, they're all kind of into it and uh, trying to figure everything out. And of course, the young cop starts to be interested in the key witness because um, they decide, the two who found the body, that they have to stay there and be witnesses because if they try to run or do anything else different... Um, It'll completely give them, you know, suspects. Uh, they'll, they'll be kind of accused of it. So they decide to stay and act like they're suspects and answer questions. But then they also want to ditch the pair of scissors they had to kill the victim. So it makes things really elaborate. And everybody knows that there's two different pairs of shears. So there must be two killers or is there two killers? And it gets really complex. And like I said, part police procedural we start to see the psychology of the young girl and everybody involved and we get all these reveals um all in all i really enjoyed this one i thought it was pretty great i thought that the ending was good i thought there were some heartfelt moments i enjoyed the characters and it's got a weird jazzy feel in the score i like how it looks i'm also interested in how films look here and i like the the lead female i really enjoyed her 
and uh, it brings up lots of weird questions and things like that. And she has a similarity to the third victim about kind of being someone who just is, is almost a sociopath. So not almost, but pretty much is. But anyways, the man behind the scissors, check this one out for 05 if you've never seen it. Um, and the director done a slew of stuff. I think he did a bunch of pinky films back in the day. So yeah, check this one out. Good stuff. And then we have another one from Japan. And this is The Neighbor number 13. Um, this is a Tokyo Shock, and uh, this is another first-time watch for me. Uh, yeah, so this one runs a little long, too. I think Man Behind the Scissors is almost two hours. This one is close to two hours as well. Not heard anybody really bring this one up. Um, I mean, maybe when it came out, but this is a strange film as well. In the opening, we have these two people in this weird kind of isolated, uh, this, it looks like a sweat box, like a, this weird isolated building, and they're inside basically naked staring at each other, and, and just kind of this weird fight for control, it seems. But we have this young man who starts this job on in an industrial site, and we have these flashbacks to his youth, what we think is his youth, and, and being bullied and all these things, and he starts to work at this place where the uh, head bully um, works as well. And he's just not grown out of it. He's just a miserable piece of crap. But uh, he starts to infiltrate kind of their life and everything like that, his, his life and his wife's life and their kid's life and all sorts of kind of crazy dark things happen. But this character, he has this personality with inside him that changes, this scarred up man who, who is basically... But it's so weird and different. Like, I don't want to say, like, you don't think exactly what's going on. And uh, I will say that there's a great reveal at the very end, which is very haunting and very different. And just um, made me think for a while. Made me kind of think that this is less than what you'd think. And it's more of a, um, I don't want to say the titles, but a more modern film that came out last year. Um, that had some buzz about it for originality. And I think that this might be something like that. Um, and I won't spoil it because if you know what it is, it will kind of spoil the ending. But I do think that that is a, a kind of a strange way to approach it and a different way to approach it. And that this idea that your, your you know, kind of anger and resentment towards a certain situation can bring upon something else that not necessarily is within you all the time, but it can attract something to go with inside of you, if that makes any sense. Or maybe it's something in your psychology that is, you know, a dual thing that is created, but maybe this thing can pass between people. I don't want to go into depth about everything like that. But of course, um, this thing takes him over and you don't know necessarily what it is or if it's inside of him and all that kind of stuff, duality, fighting. Um, but it starts to attack people and of course it kills a bunch of people. This movie isn't overly gratuitous in the gory department, but it is intense and the the bully character you can't stand him i cannot imagine being in a place where somebody would treat me like that without one of us being fired within 10 minutes to be honest at this point in your life after you hit a certain point you're just no man i'd just rather die than be treated like that anymore and you know it's not that big of a loss if i die okay so uh, i don't have to go to work tomorrow but um yeah i did enjoy this one uh i liked it it was it, like I, I like i don't want to get the details about the psychology of the characters because hell i might not understand it completely and if i do it'll definitely be spoiler filled and that's the most interesting aspect of the movie. I thought the acting was solid. Um, yeah, this one's pretty cool. The Neighbor number 13. Uh, interesting stuff. Okay, this next one is a Patreon pick from Eau Claire. And she picked uh, Under Wraps, which is a 1997 Disney kind of TV special. So, uh, yeah, this stars Ed Lauder. And who's the guy? Bill Fager, Fager, Fakerbeck or something like that. You guys know him as Dauber uh, on Coach. And he's also... Um, 
geez, the M-O-O-M, that spells moon, in the Shining miniseries, which I brought up again, which is kind of strange. He also played a Nazi guard in Oz. So, okay, he's in this as well. This movie's super fun. I did not expect it to be this funny um, for an adult um, because this made 97, so some of the jokes nowadays would be completely inappropriate for kids, but they do that anyway. So there's three kids, one of which is that red-haired ginger kid that's in a slew of movies. I, I can't think of any of them, but you've seen him a billion times. So... One day, um, Ed Larder is this asshole guy that never paid his newspaper bill. They approach his house and they try to, the young kid is a newspaper kid, uh, delivers the papers. They try to get the money. He's kind of a weirdo that has a bunch of stuff in his basement because he works in a museum. Um, he chases them away. And uh, I can't remember why they go back to his house, but he ends up dead. Um, so they go back to his house to kind of explore for something. And they find this coffin or sarcophagus, sorry, in the basement. And there's a mummy in there. And at first they're terrified of the mummy. The mummy's kind of chasing them. But we realize the mummy's actually good natured. And they start a friendship with the mummy. He follows them around. But then we have some reveals that uh, some people aren't dead that you think are dead. And they want the mummy for other reasons. Yeah. So we have these kids trying to get the mummy back to his beloved uh, one. Because all mummies are a curse. All mummies have a love story, right? Um, so this mummy trying to get him back to his sarcophagus. Uh, proper sarcophagus before midnight on Halloween. Or all hell's going to break loose. Uh, yeah. There's some other familiar faces in here as well. It has uh, Max from Armageddon is in here as kind of a guy who runs this kind of a cult shop, sells the kids all sorts of stuff. He's really funny. He's got some good jokes. Um, there's lots of horror references in here. He makes a statement about, would you see the mummy? Yeah, I've seen like seven mummies and like eight Freddy Kruegers and three pinheads already. Just lots of horror references and that I think that it's really clever and really funny. I laughed out loud. Um, Bill uh, Dauber from Coach plays dual roles. He plays the young guy's, uh, you know, soon-to-be stepfather, and he also plays the mummy. The mummy's great. I, I love how he moves. Just does a really good job body performing and everything like that. Kind of an underrated performance. Um, this is super cute. I laughed a lot. And the girl says some raunchy stuff that I didn't expect. She's like, I sleep in the nude. She's like 13. I was like, they would never fly nowadays. They would never do that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, it's 97. So I can't believe I missed this as a kid. I would have been 11 years old. Um, this would have totally been up my alley. It's way less... It is kitty, but it's way more fun than one would expect. And Larder plays a dickhead. He's great at that he's a great actor millions of movies magic true romance um geez death hunt I, that's just off the top of my head these guys in literally 100 movies uh lolly madonna llc so yeah anyways i just really fun kids movie man i would buy this in a blu-ray i would buy a dvd i know the dvd's been out of print forever i bought it on or rented i, I think i bought it on amazon or rented it or something like that but uh, it's only in standard def i think that the small town feel is good i think that the halloween feel is solid um yeah check this one out under wraps um very cute very fun uh just had a blast with it didn't expect to think it was going to be as good or make me laugh at all but i did laugh quite a bit uh, what was the couple lines that one line I laughed out loud, uh, the varicose veins line and the line before there's a couple of times that got me really good, but, uh, yeah, check it out under wraps. Very, very fun stuff. Hey guys, what's up? First, uh, we're going to talk a little bit. This isn't a review cause we were both involved with the movie, but usually when I'm, uh, we're involved with the movie. I like to kind of talk about it a little bit, get some eyes on it, maybe, you know, feel all that. You know what I mean? Whatever. It is whatever. Show the trailer and stuff like that. And finally, we got around to watching Rip, Rest in Pieces, which was a movie I think we filmed in 2016, 2017. And Dustin's been very busy and he's really? he, he finally got it all completed and worked out. And I'm basically just mentioning this because it's been pirated and bootlegged everywhere. And, and we all know, like, that's just the way it is nowadays. It's, you're never going to get away from it. But 
on top of that, like everybody who bootlegs it and steals it illegally is just leaving really bad reviews. And I know a lot of independent movies end up on streaming sites and where people are stealing it and stuff like that. Or like they, they it doesn't have a caveat to it that this movie costs a thousand dollars with right. thirty people and everybody dedicated their time and everything like that. And it is what it is, you know, but seeing someone trash a movie that has obviously no understanding of no budget, do it yourself cinema, like one jackass compared it to evil dead, not <laughs> even understanding that in inflation cost, this movie cost less than a quarter percent of what evil dead did. And I'm saying this is better than evil dead or anything. Evil dead is a bona fide one of the greatest horror films ever made. And just comparing something to evil dead that cost a quarter percent of what it cost is borderline mentally handicapped. Um, so that guy can jump off a bridge because he's too dumb to be talking out loud. <laughs> um, and stuff like that. And normally, I, I could take critique if someone's like, Dave Parker sucked in that. I'm like, maybe I did suck in that. But the idea that just going around and just saying on... Just stuff that's not worth anything. It's counterproductive and rude. And right. if you do that kind of stuff, I just don't have any time for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> but anyways, this movie is... It's a fairly short movie with black and white kind of crime. It's it's film noir slasher inspired. A group of criminals owe a big kind of heavy criminal a bunch of money, so they basically have to go into this ice like kind of abandoned schoolhouse where a criminal left something there. There's lots of stories about that criminal house. What is in there in that criminal house? I mean that schoolhouse. What's right. in there is a big mean uh, ripping machine uh, killer. So they confront the killer. It's part crime film. It's just a slasher thing too, which is a nice combination. Yeah, it's a really nice combination. Um, a lot of so, you know, everybody was, was local here too. Right. Uh, uh, what went into this movie was like a lot of local talent. So over um, thirty cast members. Thirty think cast of that on, on a movie that they're all working for free. Mm -hmm. All the locations we we scrounged and and Dustin had some stuff. We all had stuff. We all pitched in. Right. Um. Like like I built like a set in my garage. Yeah. Um, there's a set built in Dustin's garage. I, and, like, when you're watching the movie, you know, it, it's at least, like, knowing, you know, what well, went into I know it. that doesn't translate to everybody else watching that. Like, oh, hey, we, we're, we're watching and we're enjoying it because of the hard work, even if, you know, besides that. But I know it doesn't. Hopefully I, it translates to some people. But I know people that make stuff themselves might be able to see some of that in there. Oh, right, right. But I, I think that, you know, like like I said, like, when watching the movie, like, it's fun to, like, see, like, the different locations. And it's like, oh, I, I made this. I and, and then, like, knowing where everything in the movie is supposed to take place and where it actually took place. It's really cool how Dustin, like, cobbled them together to make it, like, transition Well, that's movie magic. So, oh, yeah, it was basically it's neat. Basically, what I want to say is, if you do watch it and you do check it out, um, leave a review. Um, if it's negative, at least at least point out some stuff that could be helpful. Right. Or and if it's positive, that'd be great too. Just just if you do check it out, you can rent it at places. If you want to be Dustin's mm -hmm. patron uh, on his Patreon, it's like five dollars and a month, and you could check it out. And then there's a bunch of other stuff on there too. But just just give it a spin. We're gonna play the trailer in full. But uh, I had a lot of fun playing the role. Although mm -hmm. watching it, I was like, I'm talking too fast sometimes because I play <laughs> kind of like a wise guy, idiot kind of uh, Italian stereotype kind of character. And, and he made sure, kind of being in the Toledo area, he kind of picked a lot of places where, like, um, <coughs> well, he would make sure that there was like uh, a certain like I don't know, there's like a big Polish neighborhood here. So like right. he tried to get like people incorporated in some stuff and show a little bit of Toledo, which I think is cool. Um, but hey, I mean. People that downloading it for free are trashing it. Oh yeah, <laughs> but that's all right. But you know and that's it, the way it is. Like it, like I said, it's, it's a fun checkout because it is really like a community piece. Um, 
And I just don't think that many people are talking about it. It's on the Grindhouse video. You can order the DVD and Blu-ray, too. Mm-hmm. So maybe, I don't know. I, do you want to say anything else about it? Yeah, go, go watch it. It's it, fun. And uh, a I'm lot, in it. Well, there's some digital effects with the shootouts and stuff, because there's shootouts. But there's a lot of practical effects with mm-hmm. the, the killer and the slasher and stuff. So lots of people getting ripped to pieces. Um, we did the fight scene in a couple times. It's just a lot of fun. So right. anybody watches it, has any questions about it, um, I know that um, it was some of the most fun that we've had on set, to be honest. Yeah. And, and watching it, I know it has like a special place in my heart. Because there's so many people that I loved involved with it, and seeing them all together and stuff was just was just a blast. But mm-hmm. I know that uh, it's that doesn't necessarily translate. Like I said, somebody reviewed Slimy Little Bastards once, and they said, "How do I rate something where I can tell they're all having fun, even if it's a terrible movie?" And obviously, I can understand them, and I understood where they were coming from when they reviewed that. Like they weren't a dickhead about it, but like I don't like I said when we were talking about that Akira review. I'm I'm mad I read that review because you didn't help anybody like for Akira and that's a classic movie you just sounded like a dickhead mm. <laughs> I think you're an idiot I'm sorry like right I hate wasting my time and and maybe some people think I'm an idiot and that's fine don't watch it and I have no problem with that but uh, anyways just check out the trailer see if you like it there's something that belongs to me in the old schoolhouse on hill and you're gonna bring it back to me. I heard stories about that place. Walking in, not walking out. You're not afraid of monsters, are you, Mr. Rossi? All right, we're here for Blind Spot. This was my pick, um, and this was a super embarrassing one that I haven't seen, considering the stuff I like. And this is uh, Michael Powell's Peeping Tom from 1960, the same year as Psycho, of course. Uh, this movie got the director blackballed. Um, he was pretty well renowned and respected among other directors and stuff like that too. Um, after this movie in 1960, he got completely blackballed. Didn't really do much after this from my understanding um due to the subject nature the nature of the movie the voyeurism and i guess people saying putting them in the place of the voyeur in the film which is stuff i really like um within the first five minutes i was watching this and i was like oh sato from celluloid nightmares use that and what else did i say there's another scene in there where i was like oh that that's from that and it's just this along with psycho like watching this i've always heard that you know this is psycho riff this is psycho riff and they're pretty much all the horror movies afterwards that involve psychological stuff or voyeur stuff or point of view stuff came from psycho and peeping tom right i guess yeah i've never seen psycho what you're joking. You had to have seen it. But but seriously, I just seeing that, like, it's funny that uh, basically this follows the story of, uh, what's the actor's name? He, he's tr- tremendous in this one. He he looks like, he reminds me of Herbert Lom and Peter Lawyer yeah. ran at each other full speed and you get this guy. He, he's a famous actor. He's in a slew of stuff, but he is a um, photographer, uh, amateur photographer. He works on movie sets as a focus puller and in his spare time he shoots kind of nudie pictures and like for this uh, kind of shady, this like, guy that runs a drugstore. Right. But, and uh, 
the fat guy. We'll talk about that later. Ah, we'll talk about now. But basically, um, that's, that's kind of the plot of the movie. But he's trying to make his own film uh, on 16 millimeter. He carries a camera everywhere he goes. In 1960, it's kind of elaborate, to be honest. I was like, what? It's kind of weird. So right. he, he murders people and everything like that, trying to make his own film. He lives in a, he owns, like, rents out a house, part of the house he lives in there. So he encounters a young girl who has um, interest in him, and he has interest in her. Uh, but his voyeurism kind of overtakes him. This is a young woman from Frenzy, um, the Hitchcock movie. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of the plot of the film. Uh, the cast, besides that, includes the, uh, you go ahead. Oh, yeah, um, the doctor or bishop in a lot of the Hammer movies. He's a bishop um, in Basker, Hounds of Baskerville. He's a doctor in Brides of Dracula. He's, he's kind of a, a character actor yeah. from the British films. He, he pops up in quite a bit, always just kind of like this like jovial drunk guy very funny despite his profession bishop doctor whatever he's just like oh this one he's a businessman that buys some nudie right. pictures and I, I absolutely adore the scene it's very funny right. very very effective but uh this movie looks great like the colors mm. are fantastic um like i said this you know watching these old movies like rear window or psycho and psycho doesn't have colors but rear window i shouldn't use that with frenzy which is not that old 72 but mm. it like i said like those those movies have like a great, sometimes the movies that don't have as much at their fingertips as far as color, sometimes bring out the best colors. Maybe it's just the set design or the photography, how it was filmed or what kind of film stock it was yeah, shot I, on. I don't know because there is like a certain like cadence to how early sixties, late fifties right. stuff, color movies look and they, they look great. They pop. Um, anyways, man, uh, the idea that the camera is the actual weapon is fucking fantastic. I mean, it's amazing. It's perfect, to be honest. Right. Um, and the elaborate scene at the end in the climax where he has his own setup and everything is just one of the coolest things I've seen, I think, in a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, man. This is just, this is a great, this is a great film. The psychology is great. And um, when they do the exposition dump, which it's, instead of holding all that for the end, like Psycho did, where it's like, he was uh, blah, 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 and they do it, and it's really annoying. Even though, it, I mean, it's a classic, but still, that's the one hit on cycle people have is that big expo- exposition dump at the end even though 35,000 movies stole it they hit on it and then they steal it this one um has a little different um where the character comes in and sees his home videos as a kid and we learn why he's like that right off the bat and it's a weird mixture of perversity and fear and sexuality and voyeurism all into this entangled mess Right, and uh, the the plot and like like the reasonings, I guess, like they build in this one as yeah. opposed to Psycho, where it's just like, Shh. well, you know, you didn't even see Psycho. I saw the last like yeah, twenty minutes it. of Psycho, so I know it. what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <coughs> but uh, I like that um, at points he confronts a doctor with scopophilia and stuff. Mm-hmm. And all this is, works really well, and also it has that idea of, like they're making a movie with on the set. And, right. Um, there is comedic beats too. Um, which are really good. And I feel like, you know, all those older films kind of had comedic beats, which is strange. I think it's kind of changed in time. Would you agree? Yeah, I would say. I think people would find the comedy in older films inappropriate now, but I feel like that really helps a lot of times. I don't, I guess I don't have as much to say as I would expect, but 
Um, there's lots of good moments, lots of good uh, acting in here, especially when he's acting alongside um, the blind woman is great, mm -hmm. the young woman is great. And there's my favorite part is when he's trying to give up the voyeurism and try to get better about it, you think? And him and the, young, the, the, the girl go out on a date, and he's walking, and he looks over and he sees these two making out, and he reaches for his camera, but she made him leave it behind. Like, every moment about him is just stuck in his thing. And it's the first movie I've seen. Like, voyeurism is a perversity a lot of times um, in film and everything. Um, I remember that Lee Marvin Playboy article where he's talking about voyeurism being one of the big, <laughs> but, um, it's the first time I've seen it treated. I know it's as, as, mm, as blatant as a disorder. You know what I mean? Like it's right. in movies and it's a blanket statement on like, oh, this is a disorder. This one is, is blatant. It's, it's disgust. It's di like deep down inside. And I guess that kind of upset people. They said that this kind of like got him blackballed because of it, ostracized or uh, so. Yeah, like and I guess I could see it, right, because it puts them in the place. But I, I honestly it's a great film. I don't understand. Like it, it's always the best, like to read old reviews of great movies and see right. how dumb the people were back then. Well, it's so it's so weird because it's like it's not it, it's a really tame movie. Um, as, ter as far as gore and violence is concerned. Right. Yes. But the subject matter is not tame. The subject matter is not tame, and, and I guess that's, like, like the, the weird disconnect that I have is, like, I always forget that, like, in 1960, the idea of something was enough to... Hitchcock, yeah. Yeah, get, get you in trouble, versus now it's like, well, we, we you know, we just watch Rip, and there's, you know, just tits flopping all over the place. <laughs> I, I don't like, think oh, that people can even, like, ideas now, like, they would take it to court and be like, well, I didn't mean it here, right. I meant this. Right. Like, but it seems like this, well, I don't know. It's <laughs> like, like, everything in these movies, like, when you look at Psycho, and you look at Rear Window and this, it's like, it's like these are all pretty tame, but... I could, I could but see. But they're, they're so much better than a lot of the movies. Most movies than a lot of the movies. Oh, nowadays. yeah, yeah. So I'm going to read from John Stanley's Creature Features. I don't remember what next week is. I'll put a little thing up here at the very end. Peeping Tom, 1960, 4 out of 5. Director Michael Powell's unrelenting portrait of a psychopathic young man who photographs the women he murders with a 16mm camera was ahead of its time and resulted in Powell's ostracism from Britain's film industry. Shoveled up and flushed down the sewer, wrote one critic. Yet this has no blood or gore, maintaining an implicit viewpoint towards sex and violence. What disturbed Powell's contemporaries was Leo Mark's screenplay focusing on sexual perversion through metaphor and symbolism. Thus, the film asked viewers to become voyeurs, and this invoked negative response. Carl Bohm is superb as the filmmaker, Maura Shearer, Anna Massey, Shirley Ann Field, a.k.a. Face of Fear, admit one laser image voyeur criterion. And unfortunately, this does not have a United States Blu-ray. We watched the import from Optimum Releasing. It looked really good. Mm -hmm. um, had an introduction by Martin Scorsese, which is cool, and some making of and stuff like that, too. Okay. I'm reading... Show the book. You've seen it. Yeah, the but... covers all... Stop it. But literally, every time, you still don't catch on. Okay, Terror... they got it. They got it. They got it. What's it called? Terror on Tape? Yeah. By James O'Neill. A complete guide to over 2,000 horror movies on video. That's wrong, though, because <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust is in there, and it was never on United States Video. U-R-S-P. Okay. This is out of four stars, remember. Why is my alphabet out of order? Um, Peeping Tom, three and a half out of four. Admit, I don't know what all that nonsense means. All right. Trashed by just about every critic who saw it back in the 1960s, 
and first release in the U.S. three years <laughs> <Back laughs> already. Yeah, there's a mistake in there. It literally says back in the 1960 instead in the of the 1960s. Back yeah. in 1960, not back in the 1960. We get it though. The one time I read ahead, okay. Trashed by just about every critic who saw it back in the 1960 and first released in the U.S. three years later in a badly butchered version. This psycho classic has only just recently begun to get the favorable attention it deserves. Bohem is hauntingly good as a young photographer obsessed with filming the women he murders at the moment of death. A man is instilled in him by his crazy psychiatrist, psychiatrist, <laughs> psychiatrist father, director Powell in a cameo. Careful photography and settings give this the true atmosphere of late 50s Brit sub-pornography, wanton tarts and nudie models in all its grunginess. All but ruining the career of its distinguished director, The Red Shoes, this is one of the unsung horror masterworks of its era. TV title, Face of Fear. Um, I also like that he goes back to the scene of the crime and films it, and he likes to yeah. get people's responses. I love that. <coughs> and there's a super intense scene when he's filming the police officers on the thing, and he's up in the... In the, um, uh, the balconies or whatever the uh over the headset mm -hmm. and his pens fall out i was like no <laughs> i'm actually like the cops in the movie too cops they're not really complete douchebags mm -hmm. like um a lot of cops in films thought they were pretty decent uh but they are british cops american cops be like just shoot everybody <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding nobody but no back, back in the 70s american cops would be like especially the southern cops in american like exploitation movies they're like like, if you get somebody like Ned Betty, it's like, just throw him in the water and bury him. Like, they're all criminals in those movies. I know he's guilty. He was masturbating. <laughs> I know he's guilty. He was masturbating. <laughs> Charles Bronson, 10 to midnight. Okay, anyways, I love this movie. I thought it was great. I'll go 9 out of 10. Uh, I'll go 4 out of 5. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Next week, I'll put right here. So, I'm good. You? Yeah, okay, bye. Okay, guys, let's get into these questions and the Q&A and all that good stuff. Bad Brains. Hey, Dave, I really missed Dustin Mills on your show. Can you do a Zoom call with him for any update on what he's working on? I am digging the new camera setup. Are you filming in 4K? Do you read any... Okay, I'll do the first question. I'll try to get him back. Uh, maybe we'll do a Zoom. Um, but, you know, with COVID and stuff, I know definitely I'll have him back when we get everybody gets vaccinated and stuff and all that kind of deal. But uh, I'll see what he, if we can work something out. I am digging the new camera setup. Are you filming in 4K? No, just 1080p. I do I do a two-camera setup, so but I do have lights in their room, so it helps. Do you read any horror authors like Grady Hendrix or Adam Caesar? Um, no, I do not. I have seen Adam Caesar's YouTube channel occasionally, and I know he releases a bunch of books, and I wish I had time to read. I definitely would pick up audiobooks and check them out. Uh, I, you know, I just never have time to read anymore, which it, it's just not good in our society that a lot of people are like that, including myself. Uh, Nick Mua, did or does your local library also have a large DVD Blu-ray collection? If so, is the collection decent? I remember the one in Point Place when I used to live in Point Place had one. I didn't really look at it too much, so I don't know. I haven't been to the local library in a very long time uh every town seems to have a local shop owned and operated by creepy as in joe dante's the burbs folks my town sure did said shop owner was owned by an old timer who used to expose himself to young women his wife had a full grown mustache how about where you grew up um i can't remember um i don't remember any shop owners being kind of strange but there was a very strange homeless woman called the bag lady who was a bag lady who supposedly everybody has that story she had a bunch of money and she just lived and she might have i don't know the story but she was very strange and uh, obviously mentally ill and lots of stories about her if the home media fairy visited you which three movies would you ask for i would ask for box sets probably i'd be like give me the godzilla box set give me the Ingmar bergman box set and give me something that is super long 
falling out of print um, that I would really have to sit and think about. Um, geez. I think I'll just go with um, another box set. Let's go with the Bruce Lee box set. All Criterions, that's what, or the Universal Volume 2 or something like that from Scream Factory. Answers. So basically last week I asked what you guys were most looking forward to as far as DVD and Blu-rays are concerned. One movie that I want to see, uh, actually I asked you what movie you wanted to see released uh, next year from 2021, new movie. So um, Fred Nunes, uh, one movie that I want to see to see released on Blu-ray and DVD is the uncovered version of Dead Alive, a.k.a. Brain Dead. Come on, so many companies out there, they still didn't realize uh, release a copy of the movie here in the U.S. Ridiculous, man. I understand. But And then Milo169, look forward to the new Neil Marshall movie, The Reckoning. Sounds cool. Loved you on the teapots, by the way. Thank you. That's the podcast under stairs. Dead Flintstone. I'm looking forward to The Green Knight from May 24 and No Time to Die. Peek and Boo, I laughed so hard when the clip from Fist in the Pocket was shown. The mother says, aren't there any good news? The son replies, the king of England is dead. I have a weird humor. Question of the week. I'm going to cheat and name a few movies I want to see this year. Gog. Godzilla vs. King Kong, simply because Godzilla is so cute. Jokes. Dune, because it looks impressive. Wrong turn. The Foundation. I still have hope for that franchise. Don't Breathe 2, because the first the course one was really good. Terrifier 2, just uh, to watch what the clown will do next. Um, Suicide Forest Village might be really great and creepy. A Quiet Place Part 2, it looks most intense than, more intense than the first. That was slow building, but it was with moments of intensity. A great mix. Be safe. Thank you. Isimisio, looking forward to Antlers. Gory goodness. Am I a little worried... Uh, it might not live up to the hype, though. St. Maud, definitely. Hoping it doesn't disappoint. Cavat, or Cavet, or Cavet, Caveat, is another one on my radar. I think Dark Sky is releasing it soon. Looks like a dark, brooding mindfuck of a film. And lastly, Prisoners of a Ghostland, because that movie just sounds like a recipe for greatness. Travis Wright for horror, I'd say St. Maud, but overall, it's got to be the James Bond movie. Ken Cookley. Not looking forward to anything being released this year. But there are some boutique titles I am wanting to get, including Batwoman as well as Santo and The Treasure of Dracula. Hope the Santo movies keep coming. Anthony YB, Candyman, been anxious to see this character given some more love. Sean McCauley, Godzilla vs. King Kong, not much on the whore front. Seb Godin, Godzilla vs. King Kong, Prisoners of the Ghostland. That's the William, uh, Nick Cage one. I'm looking forward to that by the sign on Sono. Um, then we have Jess Thompson, Black Widow, The King's Man, Mor- Morbius, No Time to Die. Aaron T. Whitlow, Halloween Kills. Bex Batwin, St. Maud, Antlers, Halloween Kills, Candyman, so many. Jessica Ellison, St. Maud, Peter England, Jessica Ellison, the Blu-ray will be released on February 1st. Um, she also says The Green Knight too. Brandon Hemoth, Psycho Goreman, just watch it, love it. Um, Jamal Potter, Mainly Dune, Peter England, Del Toro's remake of Nightmare Reality. Allie, check out the cast, and Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. Christian Luciani, Ghoulies 4, hey. Um, I will make a Ghoulies 5. It'll be called Minor Inconveniences, and all the Ghoulies will do is like loosen the tops off salt shakers and all that kind of stuff. Um, Pete Langston, Halloween and Dune, Chase Vaughn, Malignant, Last Night in Soho, Dune, Godzilla vs. Kong, Northman, French Dispatch, Willy's Wonderland, Terrifier 2, Shakespeare Shit Show, Shin Ultra, Shin Ultraman, Skull, Scroll, or Skull, Psycho Gorman, Scott Robinson, Candyman, Halloween Kills, Godzilla vs. Kong, Mortal Kombat, Mark Humphreys, Godzilla vs. Kong for the second year in a row, Lacey Lou, since no one has said it yet, Spiral, Sam Summers, Halloween Kills, Donnie, Sean Donahue, anything that actually gets released, Jason Fetters, Don't Breathe 2, Joseph Z, uh, Joseph L. Zambergian, Anything in a theater. Anything. Um, Inicio Hernandez, Mortal Kombat, Corey Ernst, um, Godzilla vs. Kong, Shane Glass, Conjuring 3, and Zach Hill posts a link to the movie with the 77-minute one-take fight sequence. Lee Bishop does the Snyder Count Count. Snyder Cut Count, I guess so. Jason James Higgins, 
Kong vs. Godzilla, Randy Noel, Terrifier 2, Derek B, Psycho Goreman, Tomorrow Can't Come Quicker, Stanley Isman, Definitely Halloween Kills, Brandon Terry, Septic from Brian Pollan, Matthew Hudson, Dear God, Do I Have to Admit This? Okay, fine, The Collected, aka Collector 3. Not proud of this. Um, this is the last place you have to be ashamed of being excited for any movie, especially Collector 3. Um, Rel Brown, Judas and the Black Messiah, Lucky Asserti, um, is it Suryuti or Surti? I don't know. 29 Neils from Scott Philip Jorgensen's and uh, Scott Philip Jorgensen's replies. Thank you. Um, that movie I hear is insane. I'm going to have to do a pre-order. I guess it's an on earth too extreme for the mainstream, but that plot movie, I was just like, Oh boy, that sounds intense. Um, so then we have, uh, Belinda McKay, hopefully Candyman and Mortal Kombat. Jimmy Cribbs, Dune and Mortal Kombat, Scott Shermer, Dune, Tyler Hos uh, Hosley, Halloween Kills, Dune, Mortal Kombat, Candyman, Cherry, Dave Brown, Halloween, uh, Dune, Mortal Kombat, Godzilla vs. Kong, Ryan Matthew Ziegler, No Time to Die, Godzilla vs. Kong, Halloween Kills, Dune, Peter McCain, Dune, Godzilla, uh, Robert D., I'm looking forward to the Terrifier 2. From the stuff I've read, it's going to be even crazier than the first one. Tyler Craig, Halloween Kills, Ben DeLucy, or DeLucis, Dune, Mike Papa, Spiral and Wrong Turn remake, Nick uh, Balderash. Most looking forward to the Vinegar Syndrome release of the film that has a commentary you moderated. Ah. <laughs> uh, Jay Wall, James Wands Malignant, Rob Steinbrigg. I, I never know how to say your name, Rob. Superfan Rob, House of Vampires, Dan Sig's new movie, Halloween Kills, and the new Saw movie. Timothy Matthew Hayes, Dune, Zach Puccinelli, Kong, Godzilla, and the new Nick Cage movie. Tom uh, Horsball, St. Maud, Sherman Hurst, The One I'm Making. Joe Ostricka, Movies in Actual Movie Theaters. Addison Heath, My Cherry Pie. Zach Showalter, Psycho Goreman. Joey Click, A Quiet Place 2, Badly. Um, Joachim Johansson, No Time to Die and Ghostbusters Afterlife. Jenny Murray, Jordan Peele's Candyman, and Willie's Wonderland. Um, that's also in Nick Cage. Comments. So this one, I'm just reading some of these comments. Nick Mua, a very PC answer to your question of the week, sir. So, but I, oh, this is actually continuing that, sorry. But I'm looking forward to, I want to adjust, very PC answer last week, but that's just how I feel. Like, I don't say things to offend people. I say things for jokes. I think if it's a, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, I don't, like I said, the only thing more annoying than the people who are worried about offending everybody or, or everybody or getting offended over everything are the people that purposely go out and try to offend people. If that makes sense. So I explained this to one of my friends. I said, it gets, it gets old really fast. People being offended by all this stuff. He's like, yeah, but those people are still better than, you know, bigoted pieces of shit. And I said, you're right. You are right. So it's just the way it is. So very PC answer to your question, sir, but I'm looking forward to the new Candyman. That trailer wet, whetted my appetite like you wouldn't believe. Also, Escape Room 2, I know by the number Splatterflick, but the first one was good fun, and Taylor Russell and Logan Miller do have a certain chemistry. Lastly, I got a Happy New Year's from one of my favorite actors, James Duvall, plus an update that his dark sci-fi chiller without Ward would probably be released later this year. This was also the last film to feature the great Martin Landau. Cool. David Leather, always great. Love the new angle and clips. Thank you. Christopher Harris, awesome video, dude. Well played. Zach Nolan, new camera angles are cool. Looks like a cave of Blu-rays. Uh, Mark Jones, at large, I am waiting uh, my copies of Family Portrait and Theater Bazaar. Um, I actually was just waiting on my Severance stuff, and it just came today. Had to be reordered because it was lost, but they took care of it. So I know people are waiting a long time, but if it's lost, Severance will will take care of it. You'll get your copies, and and they're resending the stuff out. It took like two days after that. So 
Males messed up, guys. I, what, what can we all say? You know, Claire Brown, uh, Claire Bear under wraps is so nostalgic to me. I'm glad I chose that one first. Then, Wild Will from Chesterfield. I pre-ordered Marion Dora's newest double feature media book from Germany, The Yearning of Maria D and Plague of Humanity. Definitely the release I'm most excited about for 2021. Honorable mention: The Profane Exhibit. Mark Rugg. I ordered it a month ago and hasn't received any updates. Hope it gets shipped soon. Probably my most anticipated release of the year. It's replying to Wild Will, and he says, uh, Wild Will replies, Yes, I ordered mine from uh, Kolsenhain. Horladen. This is I'm, I'm reading this just to show you guys the crazy stuff that sometimes how you have to order movies. They emailed me a few times, but I emailed back five days and never heard back. I'm sure there were delays due to COVID. Crossing my fingers, it gets shipped ASAP. Mail's messed up. Tim Hayes, I think Queen of Blood was a re-edit of the Russian space movie that Roger Corman bought the U.S. rights to. Curtis Harrington had to shoot a bunch of new footage to match up to some Russian stock footage. Makes sense, and I think we mentioned that in the books. But this is going to be an easy question of the week. Um, basically, I am going to ask you what your favorite VHS cover of all time is. Favorite VHS cover? Um, I know Dave Z's been going nuts um, on the Exploding Heads podcast. If you have a, if you guys do donate to the Patreon, going nuts about VHS covers. So, uh, what is your favorite VHS cover art? Um, yeah. Um, there's so many I can't name off the top of my head, but for just one off the top of my head, the offspring, AKA from a whisper to a screen with the creature ripping apart, like the city, like he's ripping through the quiet city town and everything like that. Love that. But, uh, yeah, I guess we're going to hop into the update. Okay. Let's start this update with this little fanzine that was sent to me. Um, Rob's video. So, uh, yeah, I actually had a little interview in this. This is pretty cool. If you guys want to check it out, I'll, I'll find some links below. Looks like he interviews a bunch of people on here. There's reviews. So, yeah, I'm trying to find where I'm at. There's a nice little illustration. He's an artist. He did a pretty good job. Um, gave this little thing in here, too, which is really nice. So, yeah, um, a bunch of people. Like I said, I'm just flipping through the book. If you're interested, I'll, like I said, I'll leave a link below. Shot me some email questions to answer. It's taking longer than I thought to find the thing. But uh, no, I don't think I've ever seen myself drawn quite like that. Ugh. There we go. Pretty funny. <laughs> it's got my English ears on there for sure. But uh, yeah, so anyways, it was a nice interview. He's a pretty nice guy. He asked some cool questions, so... Anyways, we're going to hop into the update. First, we have uh, 4Ks. We have Scream Factory's Prince of Darkness. John Carpenter film. Always love this one. Can't wait to watch it in 4K. I grabbed this one. I got a good price on it, under 20 I feel like that was the great price. So, yeah, had to grab it. Then we have Import here, uh, Crash. This is David Cronenberg's is the Arrow release. I don't know why Criterion released a, is not doing the 4Ks because they're gonna any anytime there's a 4K overseas, I'm buying it over the Criterion Blu-ray. I'm sorry, but uh, I've never seen Crash. It's one of the only Cronenberg movies I haven't. I know it's got a huge, uh, it's popular. So then we have a King of New York by Abel Ferreira. I love this Abel Ferreira. Sorry, I love this movie. Um, Man, Christopher Walken's so good in this one. Uh, just a tremendous movie. Also, um, I'm, David Caruso is really solid in it. Victor Argo, Wesley Snipes, Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne is the best. Um, anybody who's seen the movie, I'm just saying, nobody rides for free, motherfucker. Oh, man. Uh, but then we got uh, some um, Vinegar Syndrome. The What is this? High School Fantasies. This is uh, one from the December thing. I always do the yearly deal. This looks like more of a porno film. Not too familiar with it. And then we have Frat House. 
Lamporn, National Natural Lamporn's frat house. Come on, guys. That was like when I was watching that Encounters, uh, an, an Unknown Encounter or something like that, and I saw the... Um, I thought it was the Janus film symbol in the opening, and it was anus. I was like, come on now. Um, here we have No Way Home from Severn Films, Tim Roth, James Russo. Yeah, um, this is by Buddy G. I've never seen this movie. It's supposed to be a pretty crazy drama. Um, Buddy G's movies are pretty good, man. I've enjoyed what I've seen. And Tim Roth, excellent actor. Then we have uh, Tales of the Uncanny with the limited edition extra disc in there of Master of Horror uh, from 1965. So this has three shorts on there. I reviewed this one already. Uh, Eerie Tales, Unusual Tales, and then the bonus on there of Master of Horror. So yeah, um, great documentary. Check out the review. Um, then we have um, Lamberto Bava's Macabre. Which I, I I feel like I've seen, but it's been so long. I've never seen the whole thing, possibly. But this is from 88 Films. Had to have this one. Surprised I didn't have it. Um, uh, then we have Cauldron of Blood. Hamilton Books had some cheapies for sale. This is an I Love film. Boris Karloff is in here. I've never seen this one. So Then we have Ned Kelly. Another I Love Films. Good price on it. Grabbed a bunch from Hamilton Books. When they're on sale, you got to grab them. Uh, good prices on them. And then we have The Woods by Lucky McKee. Never seen it. Uh, again, we got frickin' Bruce Campbell in here. Lucky McKee movie. I love films. I heard this is a good movie, good atmosphere and everything, and I've, I've never got a chance to see it. Ooh. Then we have Hannah uh, Dama with The Origin, which is directed by Hiatso Sato. So I had to have this one when I saw it on sale. Could not pass it up. I guess it involves flowers? I, I don't know. Right when I saw that was on sale, I was like, mine. Um, then we have... Um, Project X, uh, William Castle film. It happened in this universe a long time ahead. The year 2118. So, yeah, I, I'm not familiar with this one. I know it's Castle. I know it's Olive, so I grabbed it immediately. Then we have Roadhouse, the Scream Factory release. That's right, Roadhouse. All the guys at my work love this movie. It's all they talk about. Obsession. Um, I've not seen this in a long time, but hey, for the price, the Shout Factory release, why not? Then we have the Shout Factory prints of Jeepers Creepers 1 and 2. Um, yeah, we all know the story behind these movies, but for the price, I wasn't going to pay full price for these, okay? And I didn't need special features on there. I don't need to see Victor Salva talk, okay? So, um, yep. Then we have um, The Devil's Wedding Night. Uh, yeah, this is one that uh, was out of print from uh, from um, Code Red, so I'm super glad that it got a re-release through Kino. Um, yeah, very excited to finally check this one out. So Then we have Spiral, which was a Shudder exclusive. Thought this movie was decent. Um, didn't love it, but it got it during the buy-to-get one. Um, not sad I own it. Then we have Blood Sisters from Scream Factory. Um, Roberto Finley movie, right? I've had the DVD for years. I might even have had a VHS of Blood Sisters. I don't think I ever finished the thing. So now is the time to watch it on Blu-ray in 1080p Blood Sisters. Great cover art. Always love the cover art. And then we have Point of No Return. Not seen this. This is kind of the American remake of La Femme Nikita, if I'm not mistaken. It's been years since I've seen this movie, but I have seen it. Bridget Fonda. There's somebody else in here, too. It's like got one of these guys in there that I like. Um... Gabriel Burns in there, Del Mount, Harvey Keitel is the one I was thinking of. I remember, I think I watched this because Keitel was in it. But yeah, then we have some DVDs. We have three extremes. I bought the two-disc edition so I could get the uncut version of Dumplings. Yeah, so I've never seen um, this movie, actually, and I wanted the uncut version of Dumplings. And then we have... Uh, 
a bloody area or a bloody area is that the i area jeez oh, i'm an idiot but um there we go i've heard this is a pretty intense movie um area area I, what's that whatever you guys know what i'm talking about sorry about that sadistic intense and visceral a blood a brutal sense a uh, slice of tension heard this movie is insane they i've heard comparisons is basically japanese texas chainsaw massacre or whatever but yeah sounds good and then we have of course uh pervert card pervert card nurse diary wicked finger from the nikatsu erotic films collection picking these up when i can and we have another one this one hilarious title horny working girl from uh, five to nine yes uh great title right and then last we have uh psycho um gothic lolita from uh tokyo shock i believe don't know much about it It was a good price on hamilton books so i guess we're gonna hop back to the video so um before we leave i am going to do a very quick rundown i'm going to give you my top 40 horror films of the year and i'm going to give you 10 movies that are horror adjacent that i absolutely love that i did not include in a horror list if you guys want to hear the top 10 go to the 22 shots of boots of horror if you want to hear 11 through 25 all these more de in depth check out the 22 shots these are going to be very brief but we're going to start with the um 10 horror movie adjacent movies that i don't think are horror enough or i didn't whatever some people include in the horror list i did not but uh number 10 dogs don't wear pants thought this was a really interesting psychological movie well shot love the ending uh, nine come to daddy elijah wood is great in it. it has some really cool moments eight shirley thought this was very interesting very well acted movie about shirley jackson seven black bear kind of a psychological mindfuck very entertaining uh very well acted six the swerve tremendously well acted psychological thriller uh made me feel bad for my mom like uh, no other levels five i'm thinking of ending things super interesting crazy mind screw of a movie um all these could be kind of classified as horror by some people but uh yeah this one was really good as well very intense four swallow really enjoyed this one this one probably more more horror than a lot of the other ones thought this was tremendous the performances again these are all just great performances in here and i thought that when she confronts a certain character i thought was one of the most powerful scenes in the year horse girl number three um this one i dug quite a bit elizabeth Bree is fantastic in it just very sad depressing to watch a person kind of deteriorate or are they um two painted bird an excellent war film uh this is like come and see for the modern audience i guess even though come and see is a fantastic movie that a lot of people haven't seen this one i felt was very similar and it crosses in those lines of exploitation well acted well shot just great film and number one promising young woman i love this thing man i thought it was such a breath of fresh air to tackle the rape revenge genre in that way and i know a lot of people are saying they're unsatisfied with the ending but i think that the ending shows a lot of things that a lot of people wouldn't expect i think that it shows that not every rapist is a drooling psychopath with a switchblade i think it shows you that people are destroyed from this for years down the line not just uh, rape victims i think it also shows you that sometimes when you do things and take things into your own hand there's repercussions which all revenge movies should show but it shows it to a different i just think this is a fantastic movie and i know people want that that uh cathartic energy but at the same time it, it tries to be a little bit more realistic even though it doesn't seem like it's 100 percent realistic through the movie but it gives you that at the very end that you know what you're not going to get your catharsis life is complicated it's great people are great people are complicated um some people deserve redemption some do not some people get the revenge some people do not it, it's just it's a great film and interesting too. And I think that the complaints that people are like, I wanted this. It's like, yeah, but it's not what you want. It's what the movie is, you know? 
it's just unique. And then we'll go into the top 40 horror films. And I, I could have done top 50 because I, I only watched 130 qualifying movies and I'm giving you 50 movies here out of those ones. So um, this movie is very medium heavy. Like I did, I barely disliked anything and I thought everything else was very like the top 10. And then like, I had like a top five and then everything else. I was like, these are all great. They could all fit into the top 10, but here we go. Uh, 40, the other lamb. A lot of people didn't like this. Thought it was very well shot. Thought the ending was great. Some good haunted imagery. 39, the rental. Um, I enjoyed this one. Thought that uh, it was really good, really intense. Uh, I liked the kind of stuff that was going on, and I know a lot of people don't, but I thought the acting was tremendous. 38, made the devil take you too. Thought it was better than the first one, very much like Evil Dead, some intense stuff, like the direct sequel aspect to it. 37, The Lodge. It felt very cold, very effective, and the ending was, oh man, pretty brutal. 36, Host. I thought this was a super effective uh, horror film that was made for, and uh, very approachable for a lot of people. Really well done, good jump scares. 35, Vivarium. Thought this was a nice little uh, kind of trapped in a place, very twisted, predictable, but a lot of people are bringing up a lot of other things about it that I didn't see, and I think it's more intelligent than I gave credit for. Very good movie, though. 34, Uncaged, man. Dick Moss, uh, Lion, running around Amsterdam, killing people. Love it. It's a modern-day Dick Moss movie, so think Amsterdam or The Lift. You'll know what you're getting. Practical effects, although the, the animal, the lion, is CGI, but the rest is practical. Um, 33. Three, the spell really dug this one. Hicksploitation told in a little bit different kind of way. Thirty-two, underwater. That ending is amazing. Love the ending. Uh, some dark stuff going on here. This one will go up if I watch it again. I guarantee it. Thirty-one, extraordinary. Thought it was super cute, super funny. Um, very, very enjoyable, clever film. 30, Butt Boy. The way they approach a serial killer genre so seriously was very crazy, and uh, I just love that it really feels like a genuine serial killer movie, but it's about a guy who shoves things up, shoves people up his ass. Like I said, Swallow on Butt Boy. Great double feature, right? Uh, 29, The Hunt. Very entertaining kind of action horror film. Uh, very easy watch. 28, After Midnight. Really love this one. Her uh, Henry Zabrowski's great. Jeremy Gardner's great. I like the acting in it, and Bria Grant um, and Jeremy Gardner's one-take shot is really good 27 metamorphosis this is a better movie than 27 but uh i'm not a huge into possession movies one of the best shot movies of the year hands down um 26 the closet really dug this one too very good story ending is pretty cool and interesting then we have i went over these before so 25 murder death korea town found footage movie excellent um at first i was like no and then i got dug into the story and i was like oh no this is getting really intense uh 24 his house super well-made horror film well acted uh 23 anything for Jackson, great again, well acted. Love the love the little kind of guy at the end with the red hair. Um, funny too. Twenty two. Uh, Train to Busan Peninsula. I know a lot of people don't like this. Love the kind of reference points to the Day of the Dead original script and uh, Land of the Dead, like the bad guys. And you know it is a little long in the tooth, but I still really dug it. And on 4K, on my 4K TV, didn't notice the CGI looking as bad as everyone said it did. Um, 21, Day of the Lord, Menendez, or Menendez Day of the Lord, really good possession film. Uh, best One of my favorite performances from any lead female this year. Very intense, very dark scene too. 20, Zombie for Sale, super cute South Korean zombie film. I actually rewatched it because my friend uh, loved this movie so much. She uh, kind of convinced me to give it another spin. Uh, this one's really great take on the zombie genre. Nothing quite like it. Um, again, a family drama as well. 19, Spree. This one I really enjoyed. Um, we talked. We got into depth about this a little bit on the 22 Shots extended list. So yeah, I like the idea that a social media person would do so much to be famous. 18 in Pitagor or in Pitago. Peter um, thought this one was really great Indonesian horror film directed by the guy who did Satan's Slave. Tremendous movie. Uh, opening is great and got really 
great isolated village thing. 17, Love and Monsters. Zombieland with Monsters. A very fun Michael Rooker. Um, 16, Uncle Peckerhead. The guy who plays Uncle Peckerhead is, is so great and so charming. Very entertaining movie about a punk band. All the characters are great. The gore's great. Very entertaining. Loved it. 15, Unhinged. Love Russell Crowe in this movie. Man, you don't know what a bad day he is. It's just intense. Chase a movie. Basically falling down with Russell Crowe. Driving a truck. Smashing into people. Uh, 14, uh, Color Out of Space. Uh, great Lovecraft adaptation by Richard Stanley. Um, uh, some really gnarly stuff going on. The colors are great. Love it. 13, freaky vince vaughn steals the show and and also both the leads here steal the show all the characters are great very funny uh vince vaughn goes for it and like i never thought he would made me laugh a lot 12 slaughterhouse slumber party dustin mills uh movie love this thing i think it's dustin's finest film adore it. Uh, I thought that uh, knowing Dustin and knowing the people in the movie helped me. He, I don't know if other people will see a lot of the things that I saw, but I hope they do, and I think they'll see a lot of it. Just a, a love letter to the Slaughterhouse Slumber Party movies, kind of like Slaughterhouse Massacre and Slumber Party Massacre, but it gives a lot more heart than those movies had as far as character development is concerned. Uh, very fun. Uh, 11, The Platform. This one I thought was much better than I expected. I put it in, I was like, how are they going to keep my attention for an hour and a half about a platform? I think after a while I'll lose interest, but they did. They brought back uh, kind of like the character's memories and stuff like that. Just just really like this one. As far as I mean character's memories, the things he did while on the platform and surviving, and they just do a lot of things I didn't expect them to do. Breaking into the top 10, number 10, The Mortuary Collection. Great anthology with Clancy Brown. Great style, great set design. Just look gorgeous. Number 9, The Call. I was really impressed with the acting and the storyline, and jumping through time is not necessarily the easiest thing to do, but it's super interesting. Um, 8, Golden Glove. Man, this is a greasy name nasty serial killer movie great performance from the lead here based on a true story um you can feel it you can smell this movie uh number seven Renapal. man this is such a good film about a person taking care of his mother in the night 1990 and trying to find love and at first you're rooting for this guy so much but then eventually you just see his mind slip when he rents this tape or buys this tape where it's like a um will wheat on there um and it's like a pre-recorded thing and it's just it's an excellent movie very good for the analog age that i grew up in Six, VFW, man, a great ensemble cast, uh, just fights a bunch of drugged out crazy people. We got Stephen Lang, George Went, Fred Williamson, David Patrick Kelly, um, William Sadler, Martin Cove, uh, Dora Madsen, uh, Graham Skipper, just a bunch of gore and violence by Joe Bagos. Great stuff. Uh, excellent movie. Five, Random Acts of Violence. This is short and it's gory and it brings up statements about violence and media and entertainment that I really thought was deep and different. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, that, it's muddled. I think that... Just just watch it, and, and maybe I'm seeing things that aren't there, but I kind of talk about it in the um, the, the podcast, so yeah. Four, Possessor, uh, Brandon Cronenberg. This movie is gnarly, nuts, cold, weird, different. Uh, I need to watch it again, but um, it, it pretty excellent from what I remembered. Three, Monstrum, uh, South Korean monster epic war film. Really great stuff, uh, very entertaining, dug it. Number two, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Also love this one. The comedy beats all hit for me. Um, and I love the ending, man. It's kind of like true... Um what is that? True Crime? Or what is that show? Uh, True Detective. It reminded me of that kind of style, but more comedic and just the reveals and everything and the police procedure stuff. Plus Robert Forrester's last movie, R.I.P. And number one, Spontaneous. I love this thing. Um, put me into that mindset of when I was that college age, that late high school college age set where everything felt so different. I, it sucked me in there, got me to laugh, and then it got my guard down, and then it destroyed me. Spontaneous. Love it. So I guess, uh, yeah, I guess... <laughs> I already did the ending, so, um, duh, this is not going to edit very well, but whatever. Okay, guys, thank you very much for watching, and as always, have a good one. Yeah.
Bean. 